2020 Network is brought to you by Interact. Interact maintains one of the world's largest debit networks by supporting 28 million active debit cards in Canada. Thanks to their secure technology and zero liability policy, Canadians can make everyday purchases with peace of mind. Learn more at interact.ca slash fraud prevention. Hey everybody, it's Friday, February 1st. We made it through January. I've got David Reevely of the Canadian Press and Shannon Proudfoot of McLean's with me in studio. Hello to you both. Hello. Hi. It's been a year. January's been a year, as they would say. Um, there is a, uh, to ring it in, there's a polar vortex sweeping through our nation and parts of the U.S. Um, although I didn't, today almost felt balmy outside. Um, how are you guys holding up? It, it's cold, even for me. I yeah. love winter. I'm from Northern Ontario. This has been a severe couple of weeks. It's And it is your fault as well. I know, it's so. totally my fault. This is the universe <laughs> this, smiting this me. This is yeah. the snow pants comment. Yeah. I had to ride it. a bus with no heat today, which I chose, <laughs> I I chose to that. believe is a vengeful God having a yeah. good laugh on a Friday. I have been, um, yeah, like sprinting after the bus. If I see it coming, I because I, it's so cold, I can't walk to work at this point. I did see you walking through the Glebe the other day. Yeah, I walk. I walk to work, rain or shine. Yeah, no, you're Tornado good. weather. I yeah. walk through that. Polar just, vortex. Polar vortex. I did, I run uh, every other morning and I did get frostbite on my earlobes uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've been a little more careful since then. Okay. Uh, they healed. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it, it's been cold. I'm going skiing on Saturday, like downhill and um, up at Trombla and I'm- it's supposed um, to be nicer this week. Yeah, it's okay. supposed to be a lot better. Okay, good. Um, okay, let's get into it. So after a very long break, the House was back in action this week. MPs returned not to their normal offices, but to a new um, to a new office. Uh, the 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 setup over at West Block. Have you guys you've been or you're I actually have not been up. No, there, I've not either. Um, yeah. that's I've been head down on a story, but I really right. want to go. It looks yeah. like I imagine it's like an MP terrarium. Like it, that's what <laughs> yes, it looks like. It looks like that. Like they're going to bask does. on rocks under sunlamps. It really <laughs> does. It's apparently there was already some some maintenance maintenance issues with um, a drain that had leaked or something. Right, right. It's a sprinkler pipe. Oh, a sprinkler uh, in pipe. An unhe- Heated corridor that's in sort of a, a later annex, not really part of the, the the more recent renovation, not part of the original building, okay. but next to a bathroom, a uh, sprinkler pipe broke and flooded three floors. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. because it, actually this links to the polar vortex because it's been so bloody so, cold. Right? It's, yeah, it's the kind of thing that sort of could happen anywhere, but it was embarrassing on the second day. Of, yeah, uh, I would of the say that sitting in its new digs. I heard. I, I just saw a quote from Trudeau that was like, "I didn't, you know." I haven't seen it, but I can smell it. Um, <laughs> I think I saw that quote and I somehow interpreted it as having been a sewage pipe. And yeah, I thought, yeah, I know. that's a little on the nose if we're going to be critical <laughs> about our politicians. Come on, Come on It smelled foul, apparently. Oh. Like it soaked a bunch of new carpet and oh. and, and nest, uh, smelled unexpectedly bad for yeah. what should have been fresh water. Oh, dear. Flooded <laughs> up the cafeteria and the, uh, the restaurant down in the basement, too. They've been closed for a couple of days. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> Literally, yes. Never mind. Uh, so first on the agenda was, uh, I think we all expected this, was the firing of Canada's former, I can say former, right? Former ambassador to China, John McCallum. Former now. Former now um, after he made a, a second flub publicly uh, about the situation of uh, Meng Wanzhou, uh, Meng Wanzhou's extradition to the United States. So um, their veteran diplomat, Jim Nickel, has taken his place until they find the replacement. So let's talk a little bit about this first. Um, was this the only move to let him go? Or does this indeed, as some of the um, uh, Chinese media had stated, that it makes the Canadian government look a bit like a frightened bird? 
<laughs> well, the Chinese media are saying particular things for particular reasons. Um, I, I, th- I just can't figure out what he was thinking. Like, I think his obvious sin and the reason he was let go was maybe saying what everyone was thinking, but saying it in his outside voice yeah. in a way that was just directly contradicting the the note that, that the Canadian government has been hitting over and over through all of this, which is this is a judicial process. There are no political hands on this, which is not entirely true in a procedural right. way that I can be a nerd about if you like. But at this point, like they, they just keep trying to say there's no intervention in this. This is just the way it goes. Um, and so for McCallum to say twice in two different ways, yeah. gee, it'd super be convenient for us if they would let this go, I think was just too much of a contradiction in a in what is seen as a very important public facing message. I think to come, yeah, I mean, to do it the second time was just the real uh, the cherry on top, right? And I and I guess we were talking about a little bit earlier um, the role of the ambassadors to stay in line with you know the the government's messaging, and um, as Christia Freeland said, I think it was um, maybe Monday. You know, John wasn't doing that anymore. Um, but so do you, but you know, he, he is a politician. It, it begs the question, do you hire politicians for this purpose, for this role? It depends on uh, what you want them to do. And it requires them to, in some way, stop acting like politicians. Uh, John McCallum is a, a former Liberal cabinet minister, an academic before that, longtime MP. And so I think part of the reason for naming someone like that as an ambassador is that he really can speak for the government. You know, when, when the Chinese uh, foreign affairs people are talking to him, they know that he has a direct pipeline to the mm, prime minister of right. Canada. And professional diplomats, career diplomats can serve that function too, but they don't have the same bond to the political leader that an ex-cabinet minister right. does. But that's kind of what made what he said all the more problematic yeah. for the government because he really did appear to be speaking for the government when yeah. he said Meng Wanzhou has a strong case for uh, avoiding extradition and, geez, wouldn't it be convenient if the Americans bailed out of this? Yeah. Because that really does, in a, in a very true and practical way, not just in a formal way, that does come across as the opinion of, of the government of Canada. And when the government of Canada has gone to such lengths to say, this is a judicial process, we as politicians are staying out of it, for someone who crosses the line between politics and diplomacy to essentially tear that apart right. in public twice after having apologized for doing it the first time and saying that what he said was not what he meant. Yeah. That would be very, that puts the government of Canada in a very, very awkward position. Right. Do you think there's anything to be said for, I was hearing some chatter that, um, you know, it, it, it shows that there's these, you know, higher ups in the, in the PMO or whatever that are sort you know, if you're, if you're not in line with the message, you're out. Um, I mean, that's a separate conversation, but they were referencing um, even the departure of uh, or the demotion of uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould. I don't particularly see this as a like overzealous message discipline. Like yeah. this is an active issue that keeps getting worse. This was a very, um, very glaring example of of openly contradicting like a central message. And and as David points out, it it has the feel of like a, a direct pipeline from yeah. Ottawa and the mouthpiece at the end of it is saying these baffling things. So I don't really put this in the same boat as like, look, they're cracking down on people yeah. who don't toe the line. It's more like, this is an active file. You're the ambassador. You said the thing that 
you needed to not say you yeah. said it twice after know, walking it back. Twice. And I think, too, the timing, um, I forget what the exact sequence was, but it was right around the time uh, the story came out in the Star about when Donald Trump made those baffling, like, you yeah, know, put yeah. a stick in the spokes remarks back in December about intervening that Trudeau had called him and said, hey, if you do strike some kind of deal, you need to include our Canadians in it. So I, I have a feeling that McCallum voicing that, it looks further like there are back channel efforts right. to work this in some political way yeah. that is just like seriously disadvantageous to what they were trying to advance publicly. I agree. It, it does, I think, it does bring out one of the real challenges here for the Trudeau government, which is they are insisting that this is a, a rule of law process and politicians have nothing to do with it. Right. While the Americans, it appears, are engaging in some political and international horse trading. And so it, at, and if they are going to trade horses, then we want to make sure that our interests are represented in that while denying that that's what's actually going on. Exactly. It's, it's a virtually impossible it's, it's, position yeah, for them to be in. very... And, I mean, presumably we want the Canadian government to be sticking up for these Canadians who are detained right. in China, but they're doing it while denying that there is anything they can do. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's oh, a, it's tough. And it is going to become a political decision eventually. Like, yeah. the ultimate decision right. to extradite her rests with the justice minister. So so to, for them to be kind of drawing this clear-cut line and saying this is all about the justice system, rule of law, let the judges decide, that only goes to a certain point in the process. At the end of the day, this lands on a politician's desk. And yeah. they decide, and you can't... It's hard to imagine a world in which political considerations don't go into that. Yes. But like I think you're getting at the kind of discomfort with the like what we can say above board and what of course we assume they're doing below board to kind of represent yeah. Canadian yeah. interests. It's it's a real conundrum. It's a conundrum. And the the, and the Minister of Justice, uh, formerly Jody Wilson-Raybould, now David Lametti, will um, will have to make the decision, but I think he will be able to say I'm going along with what the judge yeah, says. I mean, right. he's got to sign kind off of like on a rubber it, stamp, a little bit. I, you know, the the attorney general, the minister of justice, has a somewhat unusual position in the government yeah. as a, a sort of a legal official in addition to being a politician. As long as he does what the judges say should be done, then I think the rule of law line can yeah hold can up. can hold up. Um, so Susan Delacourt, who who we've had on the show multiple times, in her latest column painted a, a nice overview of the discussion of the week in the House of Commons, um, saying that, you know, while a lot of this foreign affairs stuff, the China issue occupied a little bit of airtime, actually politicians sort of quickly reverted back to local issues, and likely that's because of messages they picked up when they were at home in their writings. Um, you know, it's it's... It's funny, uh, when the John McCallum news was really at its height last week um, and seemed to be that's all we were hearing, there was a story that popped up on National News Watch about um, Maxime Bernier, you know, doing the rounds at a Calgary rally or something like that. And I thought, that's smart. I don't know that a lot of Canadians are are going to be really focused on the China issue or are really focused on the China issue as much as they want the basics still, and, and and Bernier's out there pushing his his um, his messages, and I just thought, you know, that that's the kind of thing that's that people are caring about. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, as we continue further into this year, we go near the election. It's those local hometown issues that are gonna the parties are gonna play into it. The China stuff is there's I should say there's been a lot of distractions, foreign you know international distractions. That's unfortunate for the government. But it's time they start needling back to to some local issues. 
I sort of sense the the Conservatives trying to pull things in that direction too because they're hammering so hard on this, if Justin Trudeau is re-elected, taxes, taxes, taxes. Like that seems to be where they really want to yeah. go and where they're trying yeah. to tug the conversation into that kind of home, like here at home pocketbook type thing. Um, I mean, they did go after him on the McCallum stuff. I thought it was kind of weird to draw a parallel between that and the India trip because absent the fact that they both took place on foreign soil, like there's just like one issue has nothing to do with the other, unless your point is he looks goofy in other countries, which right. I just think is a th- is thin ground to, to stand <laughs> on. And then they did that kind of stunty thing this week where they tried to make the government vote on a motion to never, ever, ever raise taxes, which is just, it's ludicrous, yeah, like it's on its face. Um, yeah. So that sort of seems to be where they're trying to take the conversation because they obviously think it plays to their advantage. Yeah, yeah. I think the international affairs stuff, I mean, I don't know that many people in Canada are going to vote based on right. that you know how the outcome one way or the other. But I think it, it, there is a larger question about the competence of the government that the Tories want to hammer yeah. away at. Yeah. You know, can they? Okay, who? Can, okay, this year it's now it's China. It'll be Venezuela next week. Yes, it's sure. Russia. It's the United States. Yes. But is this government capable of doing the things that it sets out to do? Yeah. I think that is an area. People don't maybe care about the specifics, but, but if they, they seem like goofballs, right? Then and they can chip away at that relationship. Yeah, and then the impact that there. Um, okay, let's dive into our, our next topic here. This week, Democratic Institutions Minister Karina Gould. Uh, uh, and Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale and Defense Minister Harjit uh, Sajjan uh, revealed plans to keep our electoral process safe from foreign meddling as we approach the next federal election, now just nine months away. As we all know, we're in this position because of, of what has uh, occurred previously in the 2016 U- uh, U.S. presidential election. Um, I was reading something like one in five social media posts around that time were were considered um, fake. And uh, so key, key takeaways from this proposal, um, imposing threats will go through like five higher-ups, top bureaucrats, so a nonpartisan process, uh, who will determine whether the public needs to be made aware of a situation that comes in, a threat. It's intended to prevent anyone from landing in the same position that former FBI director James Comey landed in in 2016. So another key takeaway, funds will be um, directed to a new public-facing campaign for digital literacy to help Canadians better understand what fake news is. I see this point as being kind of interesting and potentially the most difficult because you first, I think you have to define what fake news is. And for, I'm not sure anyone's really ready to do that. Um, and, and, and figuring out what the boundaries and the identifiers are going to be around that, you know, is that based off of the source that it's coming from? Is there some algorithm to figure that out? Or if it's just about language? I mean, that that, that becomes, I think, the, the toughest part of this proposal. What did you guys take away from this? Um, I, I like the idea of kind of forming this five-person panel in advance. I like the notion of avoiding kind of a Comey-style dilemma in the moment of what do you do, Yeah, kind of being a bit proactive and setting up this group that is sort of tasked with being canaries in the coal mine. Um, I worry, and I hate to sound completely nihilistic here, that in order for that to be successful, you have to be going to a public and alerting them to stuff like this when people want to hear it and they care and they listen. Yeah. And I just worry we've gotten to a point of... Um, polarization and toxicity online where you can say to someone, even your own network on Facebook, hey, by the way, that thing you you posted is a fraud or is a fake and here's a link to clarify it. 
And if people don't want to believe it, if whatever they're reading is getting them fired up and you know, firing their synapses and confirming what they already believe or want to believe, I don't think you're going to have a lot of success there. And I'm really not sure what success five bureaucrats who you know, at least four of them people perceive as being appointed by the government. Like if you're inclined to kind of put on your tinfoil hat and say, of course, that's what they're going to tell you. I just, and I don't even think that's the government's yeah. fault. I just don't no, I know agree. what kind of success you're going to have talking people down from that. Uh, this group, I and mean, there there are there are a couple of different elements here though, and I, I think sure. you might be kind of conflating them a bit. This group of top bureaucrats, uh, like the clerk of the Privy Council, deputy ministers of, of justice and public safety, and like very, very top end people. They're they're going to be tasked with speaking up if our electoral system is threatened. Like if someone is domestic or foreign is caught hacking into elections Canada's so it's not Okay, so it's, so not, it's not their oh, job to warn I'm us sorry. about okay, fake news. I'm, it's their job to literally to, a hack or something yeah, for like a, a systemic thing. A very major systemic okay, attack it. on Canada's ability okay. to run a, a free and fair election. Really the most serious attempts to undermine our democracy. Right. The, the the combating fake news is a, a different, that's not their job. Um, and that's a different element. And some of that, I mean, we're talking about, I think, $7 million for kind of civic literacy. Yeah. So we're not talking about a whole lot of money, a, kind of an ad campaign. Yeah. But I, I think what the whole, the, the, the trouble with the whole thing is it's really set up well if we face the exact same threats the Americans did in 2016. Right. You know, the generals always are ready to fight the last war. And I think you know that the U.S. Uh, presidential election did point up some of the, the real dangers to a, a Western liberal democracy. But I think we're probably going to face new stuff yeah. this time. And some of it the government really cannot protect us from. Individuals yeah. have to practice good sort of information hygiene. I know, the, but there's I nothing think. more tempting than believing something you want to believe. As you were saying, Especially, yeah. as Shannon says, something that crops up in your social media feeds right? from someone you like and trust. Yeah. But we... Uh, and to that extent, I mean, tracking down fake news, defining fake news is not that hard as long as we have a common understanding of what fake news is. Sure. Like there's spin, there's right. nastiness, there there's is... There's rumors. Rumors, there's sort of dishonest representations of the other side. None of that is exactly fake news. No. Fake news, it's a very specific thing in 2016. And that was news stories. You'd click through a meme that cropped up in your Facebook feed and you'd follow and there'd be a link to, from one like typically right-wing publication to another one. And then you'd end up uh, you know, at a, a, a Russia Today newscast and then it would link to some website you've never heard of that was just created in, as it turned out by Macedonians who were only after clicks. They weren't even out to undermine the electoral process. They were just doing what got people coming to their websites by saying, oh, Hillary, you know, had a stroke and uh, yeah. is dying of pneumonia. There was no effort remotely there to tell the truth. And I think that is the foundation that, that fake news is built on. Right. It's just clickbait with no regard for what's true or false. But I just don't know. But I know think the that. way the terms come to be used yeah. is anything I don't like. And yes. then you can map all kinds well, of conspiracy exactly. theories yes. that was, onto that. And that's the part where that plan falls the shortest to I me is them agree. saying they expect social media platforms to help combat this. With, as far as I can tell, no teeth to that. What basis is Have we seen yeah. any good no. faith from these companies so far that they're interested in doing that if it's not going to affect their bottom line? Yeah, like, and I mean, to your point too, if fake news is pointed out or it starts as a hack but it leads to fake news or whatever, 
there's no way it's not going to be politicized. Like, oh, well, classic liberal media. So it, I just I see it going down a slippery slope that way. It'll be interesting to see how this is rolled out because that's going to be what's most important. I don't see it... The hack, like the process for, let's say we actually did get a big scale hacking incident. You've got some big um, teams working together, CSIS, that I see as being good. But the 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 stuff after that, the the stuff around that, I don't know how they would begin to um, monitor that. Not to mention, they they talk a lot about foreign interference. I mean, Canadians here. Uh, nationally, have the ability to do this just as well as, as the Russians or whoever. Yeah, there's plenty we talk. of disruptive yeah. efforts here, um, and that's too. The other thing where they were focusing on sort of advertising and on finding, I think they were talking about finding compelling Facebook or requesting Facebook to make sort of ads more transparent where they've already redone their code, where you can no longer search for who ads are targeted at or who they're paid for by. But that, to me, seems less pernicious than the sort of disinformation campaigns that spread right. organically between yeah. accounts or that are propagated by bots on Twitter because they're so disparate. It's just like in the wind. And, yeah. and, and so I don't, I don't even know how you crack down on that. But that yeah. seems to me to be um, – it's just creating a level of like chaos and intensity in the electorate yeah. that I don't know how you fight that. But it, it's, yeah. it's doing something weird to the way people well, think like, about things. And that's why, that's, that's why it's on us as individuals. And that yeah, really that's hard. really tough. And it requires but, people to want to parse yes. that, right? To want to go, wait a minute, that's getting my blood pressure up. Is that yeah, what it was designed to? And I think a lot of people don't, don't want really to. want to do that. No, I don't I think, think so. The ev- yeah, I agree. The evidence is actually a lot of people don't want to. Yeah, I think, But like, a lot kind of depends on it. So whatever we can <laughs> I do. Know, I, I know. think you know, we need people calling out fake stuff, not like the government calling out fake stuff. Sure. We need to overcome our own reluctance to call out fake stuff yeah. spread by our, you know, friends and, and relatives and yeah. just, you know, to present people with facts. Yeah. Everyone has people on Facebook, uh, if you have a Facebook account, who share those ridiculous those things. things. But have you ever yeah. tried to polite, politely oh, send them a corrective link? Because it that, doesn't go over so well. There's no usually. way that won't be politicized. Oh, well, yeah. you're bet. You know, right, you're you're on that side. You're playing on that team. I, I feel like fake news is just like the urban myth. It's the new urban myth, and it's just it's able to manifest so much more through social media and technology. So it's just that that is the component I think that will have the most impact. I mean, but you're right. Like the Russians are probably like, looking over to us and being like, oh yes, they think we're going to, they think that we're going to do the same thing as last well, time. They've no, shown no, a no. pretty sophisticated understanding. Like what they were doing in the U S was not hacky ham fisted stuff. They showed a, a really yeah. smart understanding of the kind of pressure points in the U S populace. So that suggests they're watching closely. They're smart. I don't know. Maybe our biggest hope is like our Canadian inferiority complex. Maybe we're just not worth their time. <laughs> That's but right. We've That's sure right. pissed off yeah. China. So yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. they just, they've shown themselves to be quite sophisticated in where they've kind of stuck their fingers into the gears. Yeah. It might not take, as we've been saying though, it, it might not take Russians. You know, I, do the Russians have the resources to mess with us and Sweden and France and, you know, Indonesia and so on. No, they probably don't. The U.S. is a big fat target. But as we've been saying, we can do it to ourselves. Yeah, we that's true. It it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be foreign. We'll see what, we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, on to our last topic. So uh, former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz is dangling some bait and not in the way of Starbucks goodies. I, I thought that was pretty good. In a 60 Minutes interview um, that aired Sunday, 
Schultz said he was seriously thinking about running for president in the 2020 um, U.S. presidential election, but as an independent outside of the two-party system. As this, it was kind of as if, as if to say is how I interpreted it. Like, I'm above it. I'm going to go independent. A lot of people are saying, well, this is going to screw over the Democrats because you're going to split the vote. Him and, uh, is it Bloomberg that's also considering it? A few of these billionaires are considering it. He's talked about it. He's talked about it. I think it. he's farther from it than Schultz. Right. Because I always, I mean, he. this was a very strategic way. I mean, you go on 60 Minutes to announce something pretty big like this. Yeah. Like, that's 60. Isn't he also hawking a book right now? Yes. He <laughs> Not is. Not to be too about his leadership cheap style. in my insinuations, but, you know. Although, <laughs> books about your leadership style and your past accomplishments are another way of declaring that you're running for president. Right. And they... The right. thing. Synergy. Yeah. Synergy. Yeah. He he's he's um he's has like a masterclass uh, video series right now about his leadership style, which everyone's criticizing because like there's a lot of criticisms to his leadership. There's I think there's only eight demo there's eight people who've officially added their name as into the presidential hat on the Democratic side. Um should he run? <laughs> uh, Is it up to us? I thought we'd learned lessons about billionaires who wanted their egos petted running for president. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, he, I watched his interview with Anderson Cooper the other night, and the thing is he had no substantive answers to anything that mattered. Like Cooper yeah. said, like, what, you've been a lifelong Democrat. Why are you not running as a Democrat? And he just kind of went, mur, 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 because I think I can do more. Like, he basically said, like, he doesn't think the Democrats are centrist in any way anymore, and there wouldn't be. Right. And he also thought he could peel off more voters by kind of very deliberately driving up that middle lane. But the answer really sounded like it amounted to, like, because I wouldn't win the primaries and I'd get more attention this way. Like, it's it just sounds like an ego trip with, like, this massive kind of schmear yes. of self-righteousness on top of it, which yes. is that he's advancing this as though it's a benevolent effort he is embarking on on behalf of the United States, which a lot of people would say, like, you know what would really help us is if you shh, just <laughs> yeah. sit down. Yeah, you're actually not helping us. Yeah, there's funny um, commentary on Stephen Colbert's show. He was like, he I think maybe it was on Anderson Cooper's show, he was asked what he would do as as present he was like well, you know i just don't like to talk hypothetically yeah. about yeah, this that's, that's a campaign friend <laughs> that's what that is like that's what we're doing for the next 24 yeah. months like yeah. that's what you'd have to do you're politicians who say i don't i don't deal with hypotheticals like you're you run yeah. for office that's that's, that's the literally job. what would we do if is the job <laughs> yeah. so but the, the I think there there is a real problem in I mean every democracy in Canada in the United States with people who've been very successful in one field typically business right. thinking that their skills are yeah. completely transferable to yes. politics and if only politicians did the things that they did yes. the world would be a better place that's true and I, I mean I I don't want to speak too strongly in favor of professional politicians, but politics requires a particular set of skills and understandings mm -hmm. and attitudes that often are not transferable at all to and from business. Yeah. There's no reason why you wouldn't expect a successful politician to automatically be a successful business person. Right. There's no reason to expect that it would work the other way around. We well. kind of saw that with a little bit with Kevin O'Leary here. Yeah. Although he was, well, and oh, he was doing Ford, pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and was. Ford campaigned explicitly on that, right? I yeah. ran a yeah. successful business. I'll run the province like a business. Like Sometimes they draw that explicit line. Yep. And obviously right. a certain number of people or a lot of them buy into it. But I agree with you. It's a, it's a completely separate set of skills and talents and knowledge. Yeah. And I don't know why it's, there's this sort of 
arrogance about being able to transfer it from one box to yeah, another. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like ah, oh, I made billions, I can make you billions. They they often I I think I mean success. If you are a successful business person, of course, you almost always have had uh, have particular skills and have worked very hard, and you believe you have earned your success, and there's no reason why you can't transfer that. But I think. I mean, luck is a significant component to it as well. It would be interesting to see whether Howard Schultz could start another multi-billion dollar company doing something different. Yes, and that's right. Some people, yeah. you know, serial entrepreneurs have that capacity, um, but, but most don't. No. And I wonder why. Yeah. And I wonder, too, how much of this is just human psychology. Like, you're a rich, successful guy. Yeah. You're not surrounded yeah. by a lot of guys or a lot of people who are going to say to you, that's a bad idea, yeah. or you yeah. don't have the chops for this. Like, I wonder how much of it is just straight up, like, a function of you get surrounded by people, people who won't say no to you. you. They won't say yeah. that's dumb. They won't say that's yeah. a bad call. And so your ego just gets inflated to, like, superhuman proportions. Right. And then all of a sudden you believe you can save the U.S. by yeah. declaring that this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Um Okay, that's all for us today. Can I get your Twitter handles, please? I am at David Reevely. I am at S Proudfoot. Have a great weekend, everybody. The 2020 Network is brought to you by Interac. The other day, I received a phishing link, and it turns out I'm not the only one. According to Interac, almost a quarter of Canadians have clicked on a phishing link. If you, like me, are interested in learning more about how you can protect yourself against fraud, visit interact.ca slash fraud prevention.